So we'll get started with the set-aside prayer. Get the microphone on. I'm a man. I can't do two things at once. Uh, God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we've reached a point where I think it's about almost uh, half a year where we started over to where we're now on um, how it works. And I've been through these pages I know how many times in the 16 years when we started recording, what, five and a half years ago. And um, every time I read it, I get more out of it. Uh, we read uh, how it works at a lot of meetings. People listening on the podcast in Topeka, it's read at all the meetings here, but it's usually read off of a card. And they hand out the cards before the meeting, so people think that there's a card that has how it works. And then I was thinking about a lot of meetings here in Topeka, you don't even see a big book. And um, in Topeka, for most of the meetings, the, the, uh, what's read every day is the daily reflection, which is not good or bad. The reflections were written, I think, in the 90s when they lost the uh, copyright on something and they needed to have income. So they decided to do a daily reflection to had people write reflections. And it's very helpful. And it's a good book. But it's not the big book isn't read a lot. And then when I started the meeting uh, on the big book in uh, 2003, before I started the study, we read it. And uh, we didn't have a meeting that read it in Topeka. And we read it, and we enjoyed it. But I don't know that I understood it until I listened to Joe and Charlie. And I read, I remember we would read like the whole How It Works chapter of one meeting and we'd say great stuff, you know. And, and uh, then we read all the stories, there's nothing wrong with that. But when I listened to Joe and Charlie, it, it opened it up. It became, it's like I've been studying scripture now for almost seven years, more than seven years every day. And I'm beginning to see things that I didn't see, I didn't understand when I started studying and I'm reading people teaching me. I personally think like the big book has to be taught and you have to see the what it's really saying until Joe and Charlie taught me I didn't and then I learned from so many people to be able to do this meeting what I'm telling you tonight none of it's probably original for me and it's the same with scripture I have to hear people who've studied a long time uh, teaching it and it's changed my life and when you get to how it works uh, they assume that you've done the first 57 pages in Doctor's Opinion, which is really step one and two. They spend 43 pages and Doctor's Opinion just on step one. And we assume when people come in that they're on step one. I used to assume that. People tell me how screwed up their life is and this and that, and I say, wow, you know, you, you take it step one, but they, they didn't do it because they wouldn't do step three and then they wouldn't do four. And they didn't, they didn't have the desperation of a drowning man. And so they assume that you can understand what makes you an alcoholic. An alcoholic is someone who can't drink, 
because they have an allergy to it. They want a second drink. So they can never control their drinking ever again. Anybody agree with that? The other thing is the alcoholic has no power not to drink. They've lost the power of choice. So they all say, I want to quit. I'm going to quit. We had a guy come, what, last week? 10 days ago, yeah. And then he was going to quit. And he was desperate. Then as we walked out, he was telling me how, you know, I'm done this time because I know I'm not going to drink because I, you know, I, and I said, well, you're 10 days sober. How do you know that? I just know. And so uh, uh, I gave him a big book and I said, please call me and come back. And I haven't seen him. We, we have a disease that tells us we don't have it. And we think we have the choice. And to lose the power of choice and understand it, I think, is a gift. We're going to read about that tonight. And so we have to understand that I'm powerless over alcohol because, not because I've lost the power of uh, controlling drink, because that won't matter if I don't drink it. So why can't I live sober and not drink? Because I have no relationship with God. And I'm living a life run by me. And when I live a life run by me, like Paula so eloquently said on her 31st birthday, that's really wonderful, that, that when you run the show, the script doesn't go the way you want. And then you get upset. And when alcoholics get upset long enough, they get irritable, restless, and discontented. They have no power not to drink because they don't have God. They're living separated from God. So our illness is really a spiritual illness. And because we have the spiritual illness of separation from God, we have no power to tell us not to drink because we're alcoholics and we seek that ease and comfort of alcohol. And we have a liquid bottle, liquid in a bottle. If we put it in the center of the table here and we weren't in uh, recovery, we'd all be fighting for it after an hour. Why? Because we want the effect. It has something that we want to have. And our mind tells us, get it. Now, when you're ready to go drink and go to the liquor store, you don't say, gee, I better not do this because it's going to cause me problems. I'm going to black out. My wife will want to leave me. I could get a DUI. No, all you think about is the ease and comfort that's coming from the drink. It's the same with drugs, anything that treats your spiritual illness. So alcohol is but a symptom. It's a symptom where the treatment of a life run on self-will. So the treatment of, of my alcoholism is to destroy my self-centeredness. But I can't, I can't see that till I've taken step one and see that I'm powerless over alcohol. Now, the step one doesn't say you're an alcoholic. You have to know that what makes you an alcoholic is say that I'm powerless over it. If I can't control how much I drink, right? If I have no choose, choice to not drink, then I have a hopeless condition of mind and body, which is caused by my separation from God. And it says, and we read it uh, in, in the beginning of uh, We Agnostics, that we have an illness that only a spiritual experience can conquer. And we have to experience the spirit in our life, but we don't know how to do that. So step one just says, I'm powerless over alcohol. I am. And I'm powerless today. Anybody else? I'm still powerless. I have no choice not to drink today, but I have a choice to seek God. And God gives me the power of choice. And as long as I'm seeking God and staying close to Him, 
doing his work as well as I can. I, I won't drink. I won't need to. But I have to seek it all the time. And then I dash my life had become unmanageable. Very unmanageable when I came in. Now, like Paula said, we could make our life unmanageable today if we want. We can still be in self-will, but we don't want to do that. We've learned tools by this time of our recovery on how to stop when we're disturbed. But my life had become unmanageable, but they left something very important out of the big book. I should call New York. What did they leave out? Our lives had become unmanageable by me. I made my life unmanageable. Not God. No one else. The wife, the kids, work. No. I made unmanageable. And it was unmanageable before I ever took the first drink because I lived in fear as a kid that I wasn't good enough and that I needed to do this and this and this to get approval. So when I had my first beer drink which, at Duke, which tasted terrible, by the way, I said to myself, how could anybody drink this? I mean, I wasn't even 18 when I went to college. And I said, this stuff is terrible. And I remember thinking, that I could still see, see the table and the glass. I put the glass there. I said, well, I'll have another one. Mm -hmm. How'd that happen? And then I had an episode with the toilet later that night. Anybody do that? And, and then I said, oh, next Saturday, we're going to get a keg. Because we had to bust the girls in from some girls' school because the freshman girls wouldn't go out with any of the freshman guys. We weren't good. So anyway, I'm getting off the subject here. But, so I had that. I had, I had an unmanageable life before I drank, and alcohol made me feel better. But I had things to do so I didn't get out of control for a long time because I had to work, go to school, and all that. That was so important. But uh, my life had become unmanageable. And, and we're going to talk about that. I could see that. And then I could see that I could never manage my life successfully again because I would try. And then I could not stop drinking or using. And then. The second step is in we agnostics, I came to believe because I could see it and I knew it that there was a power that could help me. And I had given up completely on myself in step one. Now, until you do that, nothing's going to work. And then I could see that I was in deep doo-doo. Anybody else? I was, I was, my life was a complete mess and I didn't know how to fix it. And that gave me that gift of desperation. I wanted. And I asked God to help me, that moment of complete defeat. And I knew that if I came here, they had something. And I met uh, Cliff and other people, and um, I'm here today. It's many years later. And, uh, but that I came to believe that there was a power greater than myself that could help me. And I knew I needed that power. Anybody else know that? Mm -hmm. Yes. So now. We've done that, we're on how it works. So now they're telling us, they tell us on page 44 that we already have a dilemma. We have lack of power. We don't have a power to live. Because I lived on mine and I didn't have a power. And so I had to, and the power solves the problem, which was, I only have one problem. Now if you knew my life when I came in, I had a lot of problems. But they were all the result 
of one problem. I was consciously separating from God. I lived in a world where I was in charge and I had to fix everything and manage everything. It was the wrong world, but I didn't know that till I came here. And I started working the steps and working with people that I need to live in the real world where God's in charge. And we get there on page 84 in step 10. We live in the world of the spirit. And so I was in Michael's world and I didn't want to be there anymore. So I took uh, the first two steps and then it says, how does it work? How do we find a power to live? And it says the power solves the problem. My relationship with God solves all my problems because he helps me see it differently. It gives me the power to handle them. And alcohol then doesn't come in the picture. And then guess what? I make a lot less bad decisions that harm me and others. And then, and then I get this gift of peace at times. I can have peace today. And I don't need it from anything out there, and I don't need it from a bottle. And so you need to have a certain, you need to have worked those two steps to really understand how it works. Now, how it works is how we find a power to live. I didn't know how to do that. Anybody else knew that? No. And I believe there was a power, but you know, believing that didn't change me. And so they're, they're going to give us these three pages that are read in all the meetings are so powerful because, and I don't know how they wrote them. I don't know how they actually sat down and wrote this. They, we say Bill wrote it, but Bill had a lot of help. And he used a lot of information from the Oxford Group and Reverend Shoemaker and other people. So it says how it works. And it starts out with rarely. Why'd they start out with rarely? Because they know we're gonna wanna prove them wrong. <laughs> Because we're alcoholics, nobody's going to tell me what to do, right? I'm dying, but you know. But rarely, rarely have we seen a person fail. And and the Oxford Group had four absolutes, but absolute honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. But they didn't put the four absolutes in the big book because they knew alcoholics would object to that. And that that's okay. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Now, there's a key word in there, thoroughly. Now, this one chapter, which is probably, first paragraph, this is probably all we're gonna cover tonight, has, has a theme. Who's not gonna be able to do this? Why can't they do it? And are you capable of being honest? Now, honest, I thought about this today, what they're talking about here, is seeing the truth about the situation through God. That the honesty they're talking about here, I don't think I can do without God. I can't see the truth without God. And so they're starting at how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail has thoroughly followed our path. Now, if you notice, it's not your path. Now, one of the key things to, to recover from alcoholism is to understand that my path will never work. And that makes me open-minded to another path. If I'm not open-minded to another path, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to do it unless I see that my path is never going to work. And like Sandy Beach says, we don't ask new people what their plan is. Because <laughs> their plan is not going to work. Now, I didn't have a plan that worked when I came in here. But guess what I've had? Somebody gave me this book. And this book is a plan 
of action that works. And I, and I didn't know that when I got my big book, but I had hope. And I, other people told me it worked for them. And now I can tell you, I know it works because it's worked for me. And why am I so passionate about these pages? Because it's the only solution I've found to this hopeless condition of mind and body. Now, the, we don't worship the book. The book is just a treasure map to who? To God. It's a treasure map, a treasure map, a map to the treasure. And that's the path they're talking about. You just follow, you've seen those old treasure maps, remember Treasure Island? We're just following those stupid little X's to where the treasure is. And guess where the treasure is? It's inside of all of us. And we had to get rid of all the stuff, and then we found the treasure. So the treasure map is get rid of this, get rid of that, change your, this, see it differently, do these steps, and you get to the God. Isn't that something? And it only costs $5. I mean, the, how much is the book anymore? Five, maybe it's $8, I don't know. $10. People spend millions of dollars for a big book. You know why? Because they don't think something this simple could work, or something written in 1939 could possibly help them, or because people don't understand the book. The book is like it's like scripture. It'll work. It works now. It's what 80 80 years later, and so I want to follow their path, because my path didn't work. Now, who failed it? The people who didn't thoroughly follow it. Now, why? They tell you in the next paragraph. The way the book is written is so brilliant. They'll make a statement. And then the next statement explains it. And if you notice, if a lot of the writings of the Gospels, it's the same thing. Especially when Christ would tell the parables. He'd say something, and then he'd tell you something. And then it would explain it. Those who do not recover, so they're telling you rarely has anybody failed to thoroughly follow their path. And they don't go into what thoroughly means, but they mean thoroughly. Those who do not recover, there are people who do not recover. Anybody know that? Yes. We just had a dear guy who used to sit right over there, and I found out he committed suicide. And uh, uh, it was really sad. I knew him, I worked with him, but he, I drifted away over the last six or eight weeks. And I called him a couple times, and, and then I found out that he had died. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves a simple program. So you're not going to recover unless you give yourself completely this program and thoroughly follow the path. Now, there are people who cannot or will not. So you ask yourself, am I a cannot or a will not? Or am I a can and will? I want to be a can and will. I don't want to be a cannot and will not. And who are they? This is so key, and we read every meeting. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And honest about what? And constitutionally capable, what does that mean? It means that their, their uh, inability, their constitution, their makeup, they're in, unable to be honest with themselves. Now it tells us what that is in the big book. Did you know that? How many times have you listened to that and said, well, what the heck does that mean? Sounds good. Anybody ever said that? Or that was the only one? So what does that mean? Who's constant? 
Well, it says that on page 84. What does it mean to be constitutionally unable? To be honest with you, it says to be doomed to an alcoholic death. So you're doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis. Those are two options. Now, if you're constitutionally capable of being honest with yourself, you can see that. You're either going to die or you're going to have to live a spiritual life. But what does it say? Are not always easy alternatives to face. The people who are not constitutionally incapable of being honest cannot see the truth of the two doors. They're constitutionally incapable of facing that. Facing means to see it. So you can't see that you're doomed to an alcoholic death or you have to live a spiritual life. Now, when do you see that? I saw that when I was completely defeated by the disease. I didn't wake up one day and say, gee, I need to give up and ask God to help me. No, there was a moment when it was all caving in on me. Anybody else relate to that? Yes. And it was just caving in, and I was, just, I was overwhelmed with, with defeat. And it, I didn't chose to surrender. I didn't chose to be defeated. I was. And that was a gift from God. We call that the gift from God because it makes us desperate enough to do the work so we don't have to be that way. So they can't face the two alternatives. They're constitutionally incapable of seeing that there are only two doors. How many times have people told me there's a third door? I said, you need to come and call me every day. Well, they don't understand that. They think that they can do it on their own, so they'll call me every other day. You get it? I say, come Wednesday night. And I, they don't come, and they say, well, you know, I had to watch Bing Bang with the wife or some ridiculous. They're not desperate. They can't see that this is, they have a hopeless condition of mind and body. They can't stop drinking. They have no power once they drink, and they can't live sober. Pretty scary, isn't it? But the reason people cannot or will not give themselves the program is they can't see it. How many, we've all done it. Oh, these meetings. I don't need to go every night. I, I don't need to do the four step yet. I don't need to rush. It wasn't that bad. You know, it'll get better. And we and then we drink again. Anybody do that? Yes. And so I think it's a gift. So to see the truth about myself I think is a gift from God. And I think at that moment when I gave up, it was, I could see the truth. Now, I couldn't see the truth at 8 in the morning, but I saw it at 2.30. How'd that happen? It's God. It's that moment. They talk about the moment of complete defeat, hitting bottom. Hitting bottom is not a condition of, of circumstances. It's a condition of the heart where you can see the truth about the situation. And I saw I just couldn't go on anymore. I didn't want to go anymore. Now, when I gave up and I asked God to help me, I felt better right away. I still felt like crap, and the world was a mess. But I had some sense inside that I, I wasn't alone. I can't explain that to anybody else, but I know people have done that. They might want to talk about it after the meeting. There are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. Why do people not do this? We don't know why, right? How many times, how many people have you tried to help? And they're not bad people. They're constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. 
And why alcoholics who drink? Are they bad? No, they're alcoholics. That's what we do. We drink, we use, we do whatever it is to relieve it. So a lot of people in AA talk about the people go out and drink, you know, like, oh, so-and-so drank again. You ever hear that? Like, they're, they're bad. Then we're just Pharisees in here. Like, we're better than them. No, they're us. If I stop doing this, I'm out there. And then we're not humble anymore, right? And we're starting judging, and we don't want to do that. And so they are, they, they're not ca naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. We have to grasp and develop this living, and we have to be rigorously honest about the truth. And, I, and I'm powerless on my own. I can't, I can't develop a manner of living on my own. I need help. Now, in the beginning, we get it from other people, right? God works through people. We get people who help us. They, we talk. They listen to us. They help us see the truth. We read the book with them. We do the third step with them. We do the fourth step. So there are people who cannot, they just can't, they can't do it. They're not good or bad. And most alcoholics don't make it. They die. And addicts, they die. Not because they're bad people. They're not, they just can't do it. They can't give up on themselves. That's what uh, Dr. Thiebaud said, right, Stu? We can't give up on ourselves. We can't let go of our narcissistic, egocentric core. And the only reason we let go of it is we're beaten down with so much pain of the way we're living. And that at that moment, we can see it, I think, with God. That's what I call the grace of God. God gave me the grace to see how Michael, you just can't see it. You need to do this. You need to help. And is anybody else, am I talking nonsense? Does anybody else live this, experience this? I mean, that's the deal. And until, I can tell people aren't completely defeated. They don't want to do it. So they're not, they're not they won't give themselves a simple program because they're constitutionally capable of seeing the truth. And um, we have to develop a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Now, how do we get rigorously honest? By doing the steps. We do step three every day. We're rigorously honest that without God's help and without him directing the world, I'm doomed. In step four, we look at our thinking, how we have wrong judgment, wrong belief, wrong actions. And then we learn tools to be free of that through prayer, right? In step five, we admit to God, ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of my wrongs, all my character defects. And whenever I'm disturbed, my character defects are coming into play. Now, that I've, I made that really easy when um, Scott made that card 13 years ago, the spiritual checklist. We have the left-hand side and the right-hand side. And the left-hand side is my personal characteristic separated from God. It's on the site. It's under spiritual checklist. The right-hand side is the character of God. When I'm back in self, I get irritable, restless, discontent, pissed off, fearful, unhappy, and then we drink. And so I have to learn to live on the right-hand side, and that's hard because I practice the left-hand side my whole life. And so then we make amends to the world so not fear people, and then in step 10, we learn how to live in the moment, in the day with God. We follow the instructions in the book, 84 to 88, and then we develop a manner of living and it demands rigorous honesty because it says we watch for what? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. 
When these crop up, we ask God at once. So we have to be rigorously honest about our feelings and our thinking. And then ask God at once to remove it. And their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So if you have a grave emotional and mental disorder, you could still give yourself completely this program if you have the capacity to be honest. And I don't think the capacity to be honest is something you can learn. I think it's a constitution. Are you capable of that? And then the other question is, and I can't, I can only speak for myself, I think it comes from God. Because it says at the page 88, when they have the end of the instructions on the steps, it says this is how God disciplines us. See, God disciplines me when I'm away from him. I don't feel good. I'm disturbed. And so, um, and then I say, well, I have to get back to God. And so, um, and it says, and capacity to be honest, and then I wrote about what? My old ideas, my motives, my thinking. Who, who am I serving? Is it selfish or not? Is it dishonest? Am I practicing fear? So there's so much just in that one uh, paragraph. And then the other thing is, we talk about, people say, well, I'm in the program. Have you ever heard that? Mm -hmm. Well, you're not in the program. You can be in the fellowship of AA, but that doesn't mean you're in the fellowship of the Spirit. The fellowship of the Spirit are people together seeking God and trying to practice the pr principles in all their affairs, which is the program. And so the program is the steps. So you're not in the steps, you're either doing them or you're not doing them. And so we, we, that's another misnomer that people talk about now. It's not bad, they just heard that, I'm in the program. Well, what they really mean is that they're in this fellowship together, but the fellowship that they want you to be in is on page, 164, we want you to join us in the fellowship of the Spirit. People, men and women, desperately in need, seeking God together, because we know that without God, there's no hope for any of us. So, I, I know I rambled a lot, but I'm done, and thank you. <laughs>